All right, so you've made it here. Congratulations and welcome to season one, event one of the Save and Sip platform, where we bring you financial sense in a more social way. A lot of people are hungry for knowledge, so welcome to the buffet. My name is Trevor Alexander, investor, friend, millennial, and for real, just a guy who's gonna bring drinks to the table and host relaxed conversations with people about money, investing, technology, real estate, their income streams, and a lot more. I wanna give a special shout out to our partners and early supporters for really believing in our vision. The topic of today will be stock market investing. We'll cover a lot, so if you have any questions whatsoever after listening, please do not hesitate to join our free Save and Sip community group chat where many others have the same questions as you on these topics. You can find the link to this group chat below or by visiting our social media at Save and Sip. Please stay tuned with us across all major platforms. Subscribe so you don't miss a beat. Share with a friend. Keep grinding and let's go. What's going on, everybody? Trevor Alexander here presenting to you Save and Sip, where we bring you financial sense in a social way. I'm very excited that we're finally able to make this happen. I'll give you a little background on Save and Sip, what it's about, where we came from, and we're going to hop right into it. So Save and Sip is literally a platform um, to inform people, to help implement people's financial needs. And it started last fall uh, during a project that I had with the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. It's a nonprofit organization that helps historically black colleges and universities gain job opportunities, scholarships, and I had the amazing opportunity to be a Hennessy Fellow. And what that is was a scholarship sponsored by the Moet Hennessy Grand, where they took business students from across the nation and gave them business opportunities, gave them boot camps, and saving sip was birth. Um, from that opportunity. So I would like to give a special shout out to the Thurgood Marshall College Fund and the Moet Hennessy family for making the Save and Sip um, opportunity happen. And the theme of it is we're going to be breaking down a lot of things from stock market investing to credit to taxes to real estate, anything financial. Um, we're going to be having a host of people that know what they're talking about and want to bring it to the community. So on every episode, we're going to have a drink. And of course, our drinks of today will be Hennessy, a cognac produced in the cognac region of France, and Moet, its sister partner, Champagne, Moet Chandon, also produced in France. So we'll be sipping, talking what we talk, and I hope y'all enjoy. I'll introduce my guest and my co-host for today. By popular demand, this episode will be about stock market investing. A lot of people have gained a really big interest in the stocks recently um, due to the smartphone and internet, social media. It's either easier than ever to learn how to invest in the stock market and to make money, make money for you. I asked around and one name kept coming up. By popular demand, Miles Walden was that guy who people wanted to hear from. Miles is uh, well-versed in financial literacy. He's gonna give you a lot of gems today and I hope you all enjoy. So I'll let Miles introduce himself and then let my guy Anthony also do the same. Let me, let me do that. I'm Miles Weldon, VCU class of 2016. I've known Trevor and Ant since the Potomac days where we first met. They've always been good influences in my life, people I go to for advice. So, you know, I'm just thankful that I'm here and let's get this started. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anthony Reyes, uh, Hampton University, class of 2015, graduated a year late, have, having a little bit too, too much fun. But uh, yeah, man, these are two gentlemen that I definitely go to for my financial advice. Um, this, this little bro, but I still reach out to him for financial advice. Trevor, we talk all the time type of thing. So yeah, man, it's a great platform to uh, get, across the, get across information, man. Knowledge is power for sure, so uh, for let's sure. kick it off. For sure, for sure. Um, appreciate the introductions, fellas, and everyone mentioned their school. I don't want to, I don't want to miss out shout on out, shout out, out Old Dominion University, uh, class of 2015, and I graduated from Morgan State University, uh, doing my MBA in finance in, in Baltimore, Maryland. So, you know, we were across the DMV. That's that's home to us. Um, and so yeah, we going we gonna hop right into it, man. So, so so Miles. What even had what what got you into finances in the first place? I mean, we all either grew up, we got a checking account, we probably got our first job at some point. But then there comes a point where it's kind of like our financial literacy knowledge kind of stops. It's like what what really got you into finances? And um, you know, tell us about that. So I would say the main thing that got me into finance was just my curiosity of uh -huh. business in general, because you know when I was looking around like the landscape that our generation has to face in terms of, you know, graduating college with student loan debt, having car loans, mm -hmm. credit card debt, and um, financial literacy not really being taught and, um, and throughout the school system, mm -hmm. that's what kind of inspired me to kind of go do research on my own. And I kind of started watching like people like Dave Ramsey, mm -hmm. who really break things down mm -hmm. at a real basic level. You know, I kind of strayed away from that since I've been learning more about finance, but I think that was like my first real eye opener into financial literacy, and the first person I looked to to um I looked to for like advice, being that and then once you know you start looking at people like Dave Ramsey, you start asking more questions, and that's kind of what got the ball rolling for me. Okay. So, you know, once you start looking at Dave Ramsey and the other people, you know, the YouTube algorithm just starts throwing a bunch of other financial people at you, and that kind of got me in the pigeonhole of you know financial literacy. Okay. But um. But yeah, after that, you know, I just, you know, I just, you know, I just started to like reflect on, well, why don't they teach this stuff mm -hmm. and like the school system? Because being that, you know, we were all business majors, I thought it was pretty like, I thought it was pretty shocking that I could take three economics classes throughout yeah, undergrad and, I know and not, yeah, exactly, about not learning world. nothing about yeah, what's crazy. really going on in this world. Mm -hmm. And the economics classes aren't even really teaching economics because you don't even learn about the Federal Reserve or things like that. Yeah, nope. Like I probably could count on one hand how many times I heard the word Federal Reserve in undergrad. So, you know, just through digging and stuff like that, it just kind of sparked my interest. And it's kind of funny because I hated economics in like college yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. But, you know, once you get into the real world and once you actually start following mm -hmm. like economists and whatnot on YouTube, it kind of just it makes economics more interesting because you see the real world application of it. And that's kind of how I really got started in like financial literacy, wanting to learn more about the stock market, mm -hmm. retirement accounts, all of that. And okay. then I would just go to people like uh, Jason Will, like we all know Jason, he went yeah. to high school with us. Shout out Jason. Yeah, shout out Jason. I would go to people like Jason and you know, just tell them the stuff that's on my mind, ask them any type of questions. Mm -hmm. And then I was also fortunate enough to have a teacher in my MBA program, his name was, um, John Mongold, mm -hmm. and he's also someone who really kind of stimulated my mind in terms of finances because he structured his classes different from mm -hmm. a lot of the traditional business teachers where those teachers, you know, most teachers, they just 
bring you in class, have you read a textbook, might, you know, sign you up for like Connect or something like that. Where <laughs> Shout out Connect. Like, shout out Connect. <laughs> shout nah, out Connect nah. for sure. <laughs> no, nah, we ain't giving Connect no plugs, bro. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so his class was structured as like open discussion. So we would literally just come in class. He would have, you know, a certain topic that he wants to talk about and we'll shoot any questions at him and we'll just talk as a class. And those are like the, those are like the moments that really, that really made, you know, finance interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much where it all started. You know, I pretty much started like two years ago, two, three years ago, really taking it serious. Okay. And trying to learn more about it. And here we are today. Sorry, man. Uh, yeah, that, for that, sure. That conversational platform is the best platform, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Sure, that's, 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 a, that's a really good point. And I'm happy you, you mentioned at the very end that you've been in the game like two years. I think all of us, I mean, we're all in our mid-20s, have been in the, when I say the game, you know, the financial literacy game, the stock market investing, looking at numbers, looking at deals, um, for only a couple of years now. So if you're watching this and you're in that same, you're just getting started, just realize a year or two years is not long. I hope you know that by now. It flies by. So the amount of knowledge that you can get in two years without going and doing a business degree or an MBA or, you know, all of that stuff, the information is out here. And, um... We're not 30, 40 years in the game. We're actively doing this stuff now as young men. Yeah. And I just want to make that a connection point for anybody that's listening. So, yeah. For sure, man. So, I know uh, people, a lot of your peers, at least, come to you, see you as, like, a guru with, uh, when it comes to, like, finances and stuff like that. Barely that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mod, he's a modest guy. But, um, nah, man, like, what's some of the, what's, like, the number one question, or even some of the questions that you're asked as far as, uh, Financial literacy, financial freedom goes like what's, what's I would say, the most common questions. I would say the number one question I get asked is, "What should I invest in?" And that's kind of, you know, surprise, I like the question. Surprise. Yeah, I like the question because you know it shows that you know people are paying attention and we're all trying to better ourselves. But at the same time, it's a very vague question, and um, it's kind of hard to answer just because you don't know what certain people's risk tolerance is. You put a quick yeah, come up, you exactly. a long, long game. And on top of that, you don't know what their area of expertise is. Yeah. So like, I would never recommend someone invest in the things that I invest in because the companies I invest in, I have a reason for investing in them. I'm interested in it, mm-hmm. I follow it. And that's the, that, those are my reasons for investing in them. But someone else, they might not be interested in researching Boeing. They might not be interested in researching like MasterCard or Dayton Busters or something like that, that I invest in. Mm-hmm. So I would never like just tell people what to invest in because at the end of the day, it's their money and they're going to have to live with the gains and the losses that come with the stock market. But my the, the advice I give the most to people is probably just to start with index funds just because they're, they're a lot more lower risk. Even though it's lower reward, it's lower risk and it doesn't put so much... Um, it doesn't put so much emphasis on picking the right company mm-hmm. because in an index fund you get to choose it's a basket of companies all in that fund so for a lot of people they might not have enough money to buy a share of amazon yeah. but they can get an index fund like an s p 500 index fund or a total stock market index fund that has amazon in it a fractional share of it mm-hmm. so i will always tell people to start with index fund because that's just like a good way to get exposure to the stock market and kind of get comfortable with whatever platform that you use to invest. But um, yeah, that's probably the question I get the most of. I can definitely appreciate your point of uh, doing your research. Uh, you definitely 
shouldn't be throwing your money at something that somebody just that you hear through a through a grapevine or something right. like that. That's not that's right. definitely not it to just oh I heard about this stock throwing money in that. Do you definitely do your research, man? So I can appreciate that point that you made about uh because you you didn't just find out about it through a whim. If you found out about it through a whim, you're doing your research on it. You know what I'm saying? You're not. Exactly. Going to, going to throw hundreds of dollars into something that you don't even know about. So that, exactly. and, that's and profound. One thing I found, your research. another thing I found was it's a lot easier to deal with the down days in the market and losing money in the market mm -hmm. when you actually know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So like exactly. if you don't know what's going on and you're just investing in the company you're investing, you, like you'd be better off going to gamble basically. Hey. But at the same time, it's like <laughs> yeah. if the market is going down, if the company's going down, you have an understanding of why the company's going down. You understand the company's competitive advantage, why you invested in it. So this could just be a down day and it's easy to talk yourself through those losses. Whereas if you don't really know what's going on, like when I first started investing, I was just throwing money at anything. Yeah. And then you start losing money, you like, man, bump this, bro. I'm not trying to invest no more. Like, but once you know, once you start to dissect these companies that you invest in, it makes it a lot easier to just go along for the ride. So that, so if I ever get that question again, that would probably be my number one advice. Start with index funds. So, so we're gonna start with index funds, and that's a great piece of advice. Let's let's take a step back. So we're talking about index funds, and we're talking about companies. When when we're talking about investing in a stock market, for anyone that doesn't know what a stock is at its at its, at its core, a stock is literally a piece of ownership in a company. Um, just try to wrap your head around that. If you've ever started a company before in your life, then you know you got ways you make money, you got things you spend money on, and hopefully you're making a profit. And you're the owner of that company. With a stock, it's basically saying, I own a small piece of that company. And if that company becomes more valuable, then my stock becomes more valuable. We all know Amazon has grown over the past 10 years. Anybody that is living in America, that is not under a rock might see that Amazon is growing. Um, and that's to Miles and Anthony point, that's why you have to invest in companies that you understand. If you're not um if you're not a a person that really understands healthcare and pharmaceuticals because you're in a totally different industry, well, don't go invest in healthcare and pharmaceuticals because that's not you don't understand that. Yeah. If you eat Chipotle every day and you know that Chipotle is good and the lines are long, you might want to invest in Chipotle. <laughs> I mean, like, there was our story like 10 years ago. Like, Facts. we all played sports Facts. and um, and I just remember being in high school and everybody used to go to Chipotle after after practice. And all the linemen, shout out, shout out, shout out everybody from the Potomac football team. They were just eating after after practice. And like, yo, you got to get a Chipotle. Mm -hmm. That was 10 years ago. If you go look at Chipotle stock, where it was when we first started eating it to where it is now, it's grown. Yeah. Many companies have grown. But that's just an example of investing in what you know. And like Miles said, if you don't know, you can buy into all of the companies. And that's an index fund. You can buy into the Amazons, the Nikes, the Facebooks. You can put a percentage of your money in, I'm sorry, an amount of money in, whether that be a dollar, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, whatever you're comfortable with, and you can get access to the growth of all of those companies um, instead of just one company, which we'll, we'll dig, dig a little bit more into. So. Right now, I mean, we're in a, a really volatile time. We have Corona going on. We have equality, Black Lives Matter. The markets are going up and down. The last time we saw this amount of um, volatility was 10 to 12 years ago when the, the housing market crashed in 2008. And for that reason, a lot of people don't want to invest. They, 
they don't want to invest because they truly don't know what it means. It's like it's not like gambling where you sit down and you take a you know two hundred dollars to the table and the the dealer might take your whole two hundred dollars if you play the wrong card. Investing is a little bit different into the stock market. Um, so to index funds, so let's let's talk about what are the different types of accounts that you invest in. So we have you know if you if you're watching this, you may know what a checking account is or savings accounts. What's the different types of accounts? I heard of like 401ks and IRAs. Can you can you dig into those a little bit? All right, we're gonna take a brief break. Use this time to fill your cup back up, refresh your mind, and in the next segment, Miles will explain his different investment accounts, why he's not 100% in love with the 401k right now, the simplicity of index funds, and the benefit of dollar cost averaging instead of trying to time the stock market. Thank you for listening to Saving Sip. Catch you soon. that I'm investing in right now is my 401k, my Roth IRA, and my personal brokerage account. So the difference between those three accounts is the 401k is gonna be tax deferred. So you don't pay the taxes upfront on that account. So let's say you work for a company, your company probably has a 401k sponsor and each paycheck you get, you could have, you could have it. So it's a set amount that goes towards your 401k each uh each pay period my Roth IRA that's like your own personal retirement account it's a um it's a tax advantage account but you are taxed on your income up front and you don't have to worry about paying taxes on any gains after that in the future and on top of that the one thing I like the most about the Roth IRA is if you know you ever need an emergency fund or something hits the fan and you need you need some money you can always withdraw your contributions yeah so that's the big difference between the Roth IRA and the 401k is with the 401k your money is essentially locked in there until you reach I think it's like 59 and a half or something like that mm -hmm. but yeah, your money's pretty much locked away until until you reach that age except for obviously now because of the coronavirus uh, epidemic I don't even know if we should have said coronavirus, COVID-19. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that money's locked away, if, and except for times like this where you could withdraw that money if, if you hit hard times or, you know, someone that's sick of coronavirus and y'all need, um, and if you all need uh, assistance. But, um, but yeah, so me and Trevor actually recently talked about, you know, the cons of a 401k. And yeah. I don't know if we covered this, but I know we uh I put in a text message, the group mm -hmm. chat that um Shout out basement business, man. Shout out, right, shout business. out basement business. <laughs> but um the one thing I don't like about the four one K and I'm not a tax advisor, I'm not a financial <laughs> advisor, I have to say that. But the one yeah, that's a little disclaimer. <laughs> a little disclaimer. But uh the one thing that me and Trevor talked about briefly was that we don't I don't really like the four one K as much anymore just because if you look at tax rates, they're at all, not all-time lows, but they're around all-time lows. And when the 401k was created in 1978, I believe, um, the tax rate, the highest tax rate was 70%. So if you made $100,000 on a 
$102,000, I think that was the highest tax bracket back then, mm -hmm. you were getting taxed at 70% income tax. It's ridiculous. So back then, when it was created, it made sense to invest your money in a tax-deferred account mm -hmm. because the chances are when you go to withdraw that money at a later date, mm -hmm. tax income is going to be a lot lower, which is what happened. Today, the tax income, I think, if you, the highest bracket is what, like 34, 37%? 37%. Yeah. And it's, if you make 500000 or more, so that's one reason I don't really like the 401k because I don't want to be stuck in a predicament where my money's locked away. Mm -hmm. And I, we get to a point 20 years from now where we want to withdraw that money. And now, you know, God willing, we're well off. We yep. did everything we were supposed to do throughout our adolescent years. Mm -hmm. And now we're in a tax bracket that's 60, 70%. And which is likely because if like you look at government spending, government spending is at all time highs. Mm -hmm. The population is shrinking. We're not really replacing the baby boomers. Yeah. So, and 48%, I believe, 48% of the government's revenue comes from income taxes. Yep. So, if all the revenue comes from income taxes, the population is shrinking, and they're spending at all-time highs, the only real answer that I believe they're going to have to pay off those debts mm -hmm. is to, um, to increase income taxes. Increase income taxes. So, it wouldn't make that much sense. To me right now, it wouldn't make that much sense to invest in a tax deferred account mm -hmm. unless your unless your employer is like really gracious with their matching program. Okay. So if like you have a really good matching program with your employer, then for sure go get that. But if if not, then you'd be better off just sticking with the Roth and the personal brokerage account. Mm -hmm. And the personal brokerage account is is pretty much just a free will and you invest in whatever you want to invest in and you get taxed on capital gains mm -hmm. and that's it. But, so those are my three accounts. Okay, so, so, so you got it's three separate accounts. So, what we what we want people to realize is that you can do multiple things. Everybody here that we're, that we're you know that's, that's speaking and giving info, you can do multiple things. You can work a nine to five. You can run a small business on the side. You can you can invest into a four hundred one k. So. I'm all said. If you're an employer, you can only get a 401k um, through your employer. There are there are some self-employed 401ks if you're your own employer. But let's say if you have a job, if you work for, uh, you know, McDonald's and they're offering you a 401k and they're matching you, that means they're matching you dollar for dollar what you put in. A hundred dollars you put in, they'll put in a hundred dollars. So you can invest in a 401k, like Miles said. You can also invest into an IRA, an individual retirement account. In a brokerage account you don't have to choose just one you can but you have the option to invest into multiple accounts and to his point it really comes down to what your strategy is are you looking mm -hmm. to invest for the long term like 20 30 40 years do you want your money in the next five or ten years so you got to sit down and um, save and sip can help you with that figure out what your time horizon is how you're going to implement this and things of that nature so so we have multiple different accounts um, is, is, is really is really what that comes down to. You don't want to always put your eggs all in one basket, um, and, and diversify. Diversify comes with the with the. Index How much can you funds. even put into that that Roth, the IRA, that okay. emergency fund? So yeah, so for for the Roth, that's part of my strategy. So for the Roth, you have a max of six thousand dollars okay. a year for contributions. So my current strategy, well, my previous strategy before all the four hundred one k stuff happened that me and Trevor were talking about was to get the employer match, max out my Roth IRA, which is the $6,000 a year and everything else that I want to invest in. 
I invest in my personal brokerage account. And I personally use them all with Fidelity just because I like having everything consolidated in one place. Yep. You know, I don't really like keeping track of a bunch of different emails and passwords yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so my strategy with my Roth is my Roth is more of a passive thing. So I only invest in it's an easy little two fund portfolio. I invest in the Fidelity Total Stock Market Index Fund okay. and the Fidelity International Index Fund. Okay. And it's like a 75% total stock market, 25% international. And you can mix that up based on, you know, where you think the world is going. But that's just, you know, what I feel comfortable with. And um, what else? I would say, yeah, To piggyback off y'all's point about the 401ks, I know um, you have a very strong opinion about 401ks and stuff in the matching. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there, is a, there is a cap on matching, so most companies like, one of the highest matching that I know about is like five percent matching. So it'll match up with five percent of yeah. of your of your investment. So after five percent, it's just your money. It's your own money that's going into your uh, to your four hundred one k account or your uh, TSP thrift savings plan, something like that. But um, in your opinion, what is what's worth it? Like what's what's the threshold? What what up to what percentage is actually worth it to to actually match? Yeah. So to me, it kind of depends more on your salary than. Than um, than what's actually, than what the actual match is. Okay. So if you think about it, like the way I look at it is, you get to a certain point in your Roth IRA where if you make over a certain amount, I forget what the exact dollar amount is, you can't, you don't even apply for a Roth. Yeah. You can't even get one. So at that point, then I think it could be worth it to invest in a 401k because if you make $150,000 and your employer is matching 6% of that, 5% of that, then that's worth it to me. Yeah. But if you know, if you can get the Roth IRA, then to me, it's not really that big of a deal to get the match in a four hundred one k, especially in like the lower, the people who are in the low to mid tier salaries. Gotcha. So like, if going back to what I was saying before with taxes being likely to increase, if you like, I I went back and I looked at my um like what tax bracket I fall in yeah. uh, back in like 1978 when mm -hmm. the 401k was created and today and today my tax bracket would be between 24 and 28%. Gotcha. Back in 1978 my tax bracket would have been 69%. Wow. So if 20 years from now the tax rate goes back up to 69% then I'm just I'm furred. Yep. You know yeah, like I could have just got those taxes out the way invested in my Roth mm -hmm. so I will always recommend everyone who 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 can invest in a Roth IRA go to Roth IRA route first yeah and then you know worry about the employer match because what good is the employer match if the tax rate is 40 yeah. percent higher 20 years from now it's really and that's money that you know you could have been investing into your own business or investing in your personal brokerage account helping a friend scale their business so you know I would recommend a 401k probably as last resort mm -hmm. unless you that. unless you're you know, at that point where you can't get a Roth IRA, you don't have, you know, a business of your own that you want to invest in or a personal brokerage account of your own that you want to invest in. But so people like that, then, yeah, for sure, go the 401k route. Yeah, that, I did that the coast. I mean, that, uh, the Roth IRA is probably like the best best vehicle that I know about uh, as far as investment investment platform. So yeah. we're not going to touch too much more yeah. into Roth IRAs, but uh, do definitely right. research on Roth IRAs, man. It's uh, a great vehicle to utilize. Yeah. Um, so I want to touch on like the 
pretty much the, the, the climate that we're in right now, I know we're going through like another, essentially a stock market crash right now. Um, it's repeating itself from 08, back in 2008, it was a uh, housing market crash slash stock market crash. Um, a lot of people, you know, it's, it's definitely messing up a lot of people as far as their finances go, but mm -hmm. If you're an investor, you see this as a you see this as a great opportunity to to take advantage of some of these lower price stocks, uh, all that type of thing. Oh, what what type of advice would you give to somebody who's looking to invest that is interested in investing but is not is putting all the way in the door yet? Uh, they're a little afraid to invest. They think it's a little a little janky. It's you know it's unclear. Right. But what what would you say to somebody that's afraid to it? What advice would you give somebody that's right. afraid to to take advantage of this opportunity? So I would say. For one, find companies that you're passionate about investing in. Yeah. Or if you go the index route, you know, invest in, invest in index funds. Like yeah. I said, because, you know, it's not really that much risk involved in index funds. Yeah. Because, you know, there's not really much to be scared of. Yeah, the, the, market, may, uh, the market may collapse and your index funds value may go down. But at the end of the day, if you're investing in an index fund, the chances of all those companies going out of business are slim to none. Slim to none. And yeah, even absolutely. if they do go out of business, then we got a lot bigger problems to worry about than a lot <laughs> of stock market portfolio. You're literally That's, betting on the yeah. 500 biggest companies in America. Right. So, you know, you're pretty, you're pretty safe when it comes to index funds. So there's not really nothing to be scared about. But as far as individual companies go, I would say, you know, just don't jump into that until, you know, you're ready for that commitment. Because if, you, if you're not ready to like analyze a competitive advantage or analyze the company's executive team, management teams, the financial statements, balance sheets, things like that, then I wouldn't really get involved in that. Like I said, start with index funds. It's low risk and it's a good way to get your feet wet. And then on top of that, you could just dollar cost average. So dollar cost averaging is just a way to where you don't basically commit to a certain price in the market. So let's say you have a thousand dollars a month that you want to invest mm -hmm. that you're cool with letting go of. You invest that thousand dollars, the same proportions and the same companies or index funds each month. Mm -hmm. So what that does is that doesn't lock you into a certain price. Okay. So let's say you, you invest in Apple for a hundred dollars, right? Mm -hmm. If Apple falls, you're still going to buy more next month. So it don't matter. Yeah. If Apple Dollar goes up, yeah. if Apple goes up, you're still going to buy more next month. Buy, so it doesn't matter. Same exactly. yeah. So you're not locked into a certain price mm -hmm. and that that's a good way of kind of protecting yourself. Yeah. Okay. So just, just keeping it, making it automatic, man. That's, yep. that's such a big thing. Right. We, we all have bills. And if you're watching this, you probably have bills from your, your rent to your car note, to your car insurance, to utilities, to school. And, Companies are smart. They're going to make your bills automatic. And if you don't pay your bills, they're going to take away whatever you're, whatever you're paying for. So um, the same way that you make your bills automatic, make your investing automatic. And um, that's two miles point. Mm -hmm. Set a dollar amount you're comfortable with. Make it automatic. So we said if, if you have an employer that does match a 401k, that can be looked at as step one. We don't recommend you put too much money into your 401k over the employer match. Like Miles said, we're not certified public accountants, we're not financial advisors, we're not lawyers, but this is our method. And um, just from everything that we've learned through school and different podcasts, YouTube videos that we watch, it's uh, a method that we're confident in. So match up to your employer for 401k. You don't want to leave any free money on the table. 
but you don't want to put too much money into that 401k because that can get locked away, potentially uh, taxed at a higher rate decades down the line. Anybody that's working a job, if you make $10 an hour and you work 10 hours, you think your paycheck should be $100. When you first got that your first job and you got your paycheck, you said, wow, I thought I was going to get 100 I got 70 That's when everybody realizes what taxes is. You get taxed at a federal level. You get taxed at a state level, maybe a local level. You can pay your Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. You're paying into all of these different buckets. And you're left with uh, 70% of what you work for. To Miles' point, just think about you worked for $100 and you got 30 bucks instead. That can happen in real life. We could be 30, 40 years from now and be taxed at a, a rate that's much higher than what we're taxed at now. So that's why we say 401k. You want to match up to the employer amount. Open a Roth IRA. Opening a Roth IRA takes about an hour. Um, you transfer money in from your bank account and invest into an index fund. If you don't know what companies to pick, just invest into an index fund. With a Roth IRA, you can put in between $1 all the way up to $6,000 per year into this account. Uh, make it automatic if possible. Put in $500 per month. 500 times 12 is 6000 Put in less if you can't do 500. Put in 100. Or if um if, if if times get hard, if you can't put in money one month, you can just stop your contributions. You don't you're not required to put money into this account. So we said 401k, we said Roth because of the tax benefits. You can pull all your money out of a Roth tax-free at 59 and a half. You can pull your money that you put in out at any time for any reason. And then last we said a brokerage account. A brokerage account just allows you to buy and sell. Uh, stocks with no limitations. Um, there are some taxes that come with uh, brokerage accounts, but it's really common too. Robinhood is a really popular app that a lot of um, millennials are getting into, are starting to use for trading stocks. Uh, for Roth IRAs, you can also open brokerage accounts. Uh, we like to use Fidelity, yeah. but you a lot of these brokerages are really the same. Vanguard is probably the biggest in the game, right? Yeah. As, as far as how much money they manage, Vanguard is huge. So. Um, so, so that, that piece is really big right there, just putting your money into each one of those buckets and, and just reviewing it. So, so from there, I think it's time to crack the champagne open. Why not, man? Because you know what, we just, we just broke down a, a little bit. And it's, it's really just an exciting time overall, man. Like, Absolutely, man. We, you know, this isn't our original idea to, to help people or, or to talk about finances. You know, we're all here because somebody has, somebody has given us game, mm -hmm. and um, this game has to keep getting passed around because right. it wasn't, it's not free game. They're not teaching it to us in school. They got mm -hmm. us sitting in calculus classes and right. yeah, school school we pay thousands, right. tens of thousands of dollars for it. Not teaching it, bro. Talk about that all the time. Yep. They make you sign up for anything. I do. <laughs> trigonometry. Trigonometry hasn't been useful at all. Bro, I haven't I used trigonometry bro. one time. One bro. bit, bro. One bit. I took eight credits of dance class and I still got two left feet. I took, right. <laughs> I took, I took watching film. <laughs> we literally watched Do the Right Thing and had to dissect the, I think it's called Missing Song or something like that. That's like the only thing I got out of that class. Foreign languages. And like, and then, I hope one day we get to a point where they teach, they actually like teach kids about taxes and student loans and all that stuff. And there's something, ooh, Hope y'all caught that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and they finished with his last year. I don't know if he can sit oh, the Moet. Oh. 
It's gone. In, in some in some counties, is. financial literacy is starting to become um, required. I saw mm -hmm. PG County, PG uh, Prince George's County in Maryland. Right. I saw something on Twitter. Um, not sure how factual. It looks factual. Uh, that financial literacy is starting to become a. So in our final break, we want to give a group shout out to our first 250 followers on Instagram. Much love to each of you. And in this final segment, we'll discuss why investing in the stock market makes sense for most people. Kids, high schoolers especially, really not being shown anything around financial literacy. And we're going to mention a few individual companies we missed out on buying during the COVID crisis. Requirement. Yeah, man, people... Don't even know concepts of like paying, paying on a home, home mortgage, stuff like that. Like that's, that's real life stuff. It's just not taught in any school, man. Whether you're right. in high school, college, I, I, that's definitely something that needs to be impl implemented in a, uh, in a lesson plan. Yeah, in all schools, man. In all schools. That's, that's a lot of kids at a disadvantage. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the kids that get that game from their parents. You know, they don't really got to worry about nothing. And then the kids who don't. You know, like we, we went to Potomac, we know a lot of kids who could have benefited and really would have listened to, exactly. to, yeah. to, you know, that kind of information, but they just didn't get that kind of game from their parents, whether their parents might have worked two jobs or, you know, their parents might not have really known much, much about finances either themselves. So it's really kind of, I think that's part of the reason why, you know, the wealth gap is exacerbated because they don't teach this stuff in schools and they yeah. don't really care about it, but... Yeah, um, we gotta change it one day. Hey man, financial wellness, financial freedom, financial literacy. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And do, the, your, do your research. The thing is, you don't have to be a a finance guru. You don't have to you be don't. all in. You can still do whatever you're doing. If you're mm -hmm. if you're in PR, if you're a makeup artist, if you drive trucks, you don't have to dig deep into this finance stuff. Everything that we're talking about, setting up an account, investing in the index fund. And letting it be automatic, that takes an hour, and it doesn't take any more of your time after that. It's it's like paying a bill. Mm -hmm. You know, if you got a water bill, you don't have to call and, and operate and, and you know analyze your water bill all the time. It's the same. The same holds true with stocks. Um, you got to just set up a game plan and let it roll. Why why should we invest in the market anyway? Because we all buy from these companies. Exactly. We all support these companies. If you own a piece of Nike. If you ever ate a Chipotle burrito, if you ever used an iPhone, if you ever hopped on a plane with Delta, if you've ever done any of these things, then you're helping these companies be more profitable. And as long as you're 18 or up, you're allowed to open up an investment account by yourself. So you're doing yourself a disservice by not getting a piece of the pie for, from these companies that you're making richer all of the time. Is it going to make you rich right away? No. Let's, let's talk about... Um, the I guess the normal return. Well, the stock market is, is is really emotional. It can go up and down, especially like right now. Here it is, summer of 2020, and something can be at $30 one day and at $60 or $70 the next week. That's a 100% return when you double your money. But let's talk about on average, an index fund will return you 10 to 12% of what you put in. So from a number standpoint, let's say you put in $1,000, 10% of $1,000 is 100. If you got $1,000 sitting in an account, 
and you get $100 from doing nothing over a year. That doesn't sound like much. It's $100 right. from a whole year standpoint. But there's a reason that Albert Einstein said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. You got to realize that $100 then makes another $100. That $200 makes another $400. And it's like stacking a penny on a penny on a penny. And by the time you look up, it's a nice, um, a nice set of change. So can we just talk about returns a little bit? Like, can y'all tell some stories on some of the craziest returns y'all got? Or y'all just more passive investors? Yeah, so up until this point, pretty much up until this year, I've been pretty passive. Mm -hmm. So my 401k, because, you know, I started investing my 401k pretty consistently after graduating college. Mm -hmm. So my returns on that was, I think, like 15, 16% just because we were in that bull run period oh, yeah. between, mm -hmm. you know, between 2008 and now, you know, the market has exceeded what it was. Because the S&P was yeah. in 2019, did like mm -hmm. almost 30%, like yeah, 20 yeah. to 30%. Exactly. It's crazy so, last year. So, you know, you know, I just kind of got lucky and started investing at a good time in the market. Okay. that bull run. So my returns was like 16, 17%. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as you know, what's going on right now, pretty much all the stock market gains been wiped out, mm -hmm. you know, and now we're at a point where, the Federal Reserve kind of has to support the economy and whatnot. So I would say I'm putting more emphasis now on stock picking, mm -hmm. like picking individual companies that make sense to me that I can explain why they're doing well or why they're not doing well. And, you know, as opposed to the index funds. Mm -hmm. So for, for my retirement account, I don't really like messing around with that too much. With, so with I, individual stock picking? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, yeah. so I keep my retirement account strictly index funds mm -hmm. because I want to set that and pretty much forget it okay. and not worry about it. But for my personal brokerage account, that's the account where I pick like five companies, mm -hmm. five to 10 companies. And, you know, I keep an eye on them. I follow them. And I tell people, most people, they probably shouldn't go over five to maybe 10 max. Okay. Just because, you know, after that, you know, it's not feasible to really keep track of those you companies on a consistent basis. Yeah. So, yeah, it basically turns into a full-time job after that. Yeah, how much time so, you want to put exactly. into this? Exactly, it depends on how much time you want to put into it. Exactly, so so for those, for the personal broker's account, you know, I've made pretty good gains, but it's been pretty volatile because I really mm -hmm. just started stock picking this year, and mm -hmm. as we know, the market's been going up and down based on Crazy, you know, yeah. interest rates, what the Federal Reserve has been doing, yep. what Donald Trump t tweets and whatnot. Yeah. So, so yeah, I haven't really gained too much this year, but... You know, I like like you said, I'm in it for the long haul. You know, mm -hmm. stocks aren't really a get rich quick scheme or anything nah. like that. If you're not really looking to invest at a you know maybe a ten to twenty year horizon, yeah, you know, it might not be worth it. You'd probably be better off investing in your own business yep. to where you can actually control how much money you're making over yep. you know a short period of time. So, but yeah, you know, my gains haven't been too much from my personal brokerage account, but the four hundred one k account that I was invested in for. The past three years returned about sixteen percent. Okay, which is really good. That's really good. I would say um to touch on touch on recent gains. I know um touch on the fact that you should definitely invest in companies that you that you buy from. Like I'm a Nike head, so I definitely had to get a few shares of Nike. Uh, pretty much anything that you think is you buy you buy good people people typically buy good stuff. So. If you like Nike, like it's Chipotle, whatever, you're not gonna if something's trash, you're probably not gonna buy it. But if it's you know, something that you enjoy is probably, I'm hoping it's some, something good. You should probably invest in that company. The, mm -hmm. Like you said, the Apples, the Teslas, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, I asked to call this through, off a whim from my mom. She told me to, she told me about Wayfair, about 
about a month ago probably when I went to go visit her. And uh, I bought it at bought a few shares, didn't buy too much at like twenty five dollars. They're up at like one hundred and seventy, one hundred and eighty dollars now. So that's like a that's a four hundred percent return on investment. That's probably like my craziest ROI. Yeah, you I've ever seen them. Wayfair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've ever seen in my life. Honestly, um, so I just want to touch on that as far as you asked about uh some of our some of our experiences right. with the stock market. So yeah, yeah I would say David Buster did good too. David Buster did Shout good. Out to Trevor, yeah. Trevor, 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 Trevor. Yeah, David Buster did good, but it wasn't a four hundred percent return on investment though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's just unheard of. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Crazy. Like, and because this company utilizes the, utilizes e-commerce, so that's why they kind of thrive in this mm-hmm. whole coronavirus era. So yeah, man, that's yeah. Probably my, my greatest achievement in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gang, gangs are interesting. And it comes down to two two quotes, not even quotes, two, um, two sayings that we're all probably familiar with. They say the same thing, and that's high risk, high reward, and scared money don't make no money. And what I mean is if you're willing to bet on a company that you don't know much about or maybe you know a little bit about and you want to throw all your money into there, and hopefully they go up. Hopefully some good news happens or they come out with a great invention and everybody's crazy about this company. Like we said, the stock market is really emotional. So everybody's like, oh my gosh, you know, um, Apple just came out with the iPhone 15 and it takes you to Mars in 10 seconds. Well, everybody's going to want a piece of ownership in Apple. Why are they going to want to own stock in Apple? Because they know everybody's going to want to get that iPhone 15. And when people buy, 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 what makes the price of a stock go up and down is demand. If everybody wants something, it's going to instantly cost more. This white t-shirt I have, if it was the last white t-shirt on earth and everybody wanted the white tee, well, this shirt might cost me $8. If everybody wanted this t-shirt in the whole world, I would be standing up on a mountain like a million or 10 million, 50 million. Who's going to be the highest better for this t-shirt? And the same thing goes for stocks or anything that you buy. It really comes down to what the market says it's worth. Uh, we've all been in the shoe game for over a decade, just you know, buying shoes, you know, collecting things <laughs> here and there. And just think about shoes in the same way. If if you look at a pair of Jordans and say, "Man, these are worth 250," if the next person comes and will buy them for 350, then that's just what they're worth because that's what he wants to pay for them. They set the market. They set the market. Yeah. So then the next guy might come and say, I'll, you know, I'll, the next guy that wants to sell his Jordans is going to sell his Jordans at 350 because he just saw Miles sell his for 350 So it's everybody watching each other, and all this is happening, uh, you know, within your fingertips in this day and age. Back in the day, you know, I say back in the day, 10, 20, 30 years ago, and still to today, it was you pick up a phone, you make a call, and you place the stock trades that you wanted to happen. But, um... When we talk about price fluctuation and to get back to the point, how much of a return you can get is really how much you're willing to risk. Like I'm not going to take, uh, I've been investing into my, my Roth IRA since, since 2017, consistently just putting in 500 bucks every single month. If, if when things, if I couldn't put the whole 500 in, I would stop my contributions. Now I wouldn't take all of that money that I put into my account and embedded on one company. Because if that company was to, to mess up or lose out, then I'm at ground zero. Don't put your eggs in one basket. Please, don't do that. Don't put your eggs don't in one that. basket. So that's, 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 that's why we, we vouch for index funds so hard, man. So, um, so yeah, Miles, so like if, there was, if there was one thing that you wish you knew five years ago, 
when it comes to finances? Like, what would it be? Uh, one thing, I just wish I would have. I wish I would have started sooner. That's all. Because at the end Absolutely. of the day, time is your biggest asset. So the longer you're in the market, the more you can take advantage of the gains in the market. So I would definitely say, you know, just getting in as soon as possible. Don't try to time the market because if you think about like, look at the people who are trying to time the market in March and, yep. you know, they overanalyze it. They said, well, the market's probably going to go down even more. Yep. You know, they didn't take advantage of the big rally that we now just had in the market. Exactly. exactly. So yeah. <laughs> really just do it. Like, this is all about action. Like, that's the best way to learn. You know, in there. exactly. So it, it feels, uh, there's a saying that gains feel, gains feel twice as good as losses feel bad. Mm-hmm. Or losses feel twice as bad as gains feel good. Absolutely. So looking back, if, if, you know, you're missing out on, you know, a big rally or something like that, you're, uh-huh. you know, you're going to beat yourself up yeah. for the fact that you didn't get in. So the best advice I could have is just get in now that's yeah. what i wish i would have done back yeah. you know back when i was just graduating college or still in college really do you need to get in with ten thousand dollars like where do you nah so you could you could get in with anything so that's the that's another thing with platforms like fidelity you could buy fractional shares so if amazon costs a thousand dollars a share and you only have a hundred dollars you could put a hundred dollars in is amazon that, is that a newer feature is that a newer feature mm-hmm. yeah, they just implemented that and the same thing yeah. with most index funds so if an index fund is two hundred dollars mm-hmm. a share, you can just throw fifty dollars a month into it. So it's not it, you don't have to have a lot of money to really get started in it. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of really taking the time and and taking the time to really educate yourself. Okay. So and another thing, I wish I would have started you know looking up this stuff on YouTube earlier as well, because you can really sure. learn anything on YouTube. There's no excuse to not know yeah. anymore. You can get a PhD on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And to your point about um just investing, not trying to time the market, but investing consistently. Like, if you just put an emphasis on a dollar cost averaging, because that's what that is, like, mm-hmm. having a consistent investment. I just want exactly. you to just, just put an emphasis on that. Like, that's... Exactly. So, so like, me, for example, I have a certain amount that I want to invest every month. You know, before, it wasn't that much, because, you know, I was just getting my feet wet. I didn't really want to go all in. And like I said, like Ant was saying, analysis by paralysis, yeah. you know, just just go in. It's like, yeah. the only way you're going to learn is by putting your feet to the fire. Facts. So now I'm at a point where pretty much all my savings goes to my investments. Yeah. Because if you think about, you know, all the money being printed off right now, mm-hmm. you know, all the stimulus checks and the public programs happening, you know, all that is devaluing the dollar. Yep. So the dollar isn't exempt from supply and demand. Yep. So the more money in circulation... The less the less your money is worth yeah and that's pretty much you know you talk to your grandparents a coat mm-hmm. cost five cents now it costs a dollar <laughs> so exactly so really by keeping your money in your savings account your checkings account and not doing nothing with it not putting it into no businesses stocks real estate whatever yeah it's not it's not doing nothing for you it's not gonna have that same value when you go take it out absolutely so invest in something exactly so pretty something. much everything outside of you know an emergency fund or you know, maybe you might be saving up for a house and that's different. You know, yep. you go ahead and save up for a house. You don't really want that money to be subject to ups and downs in the market. Because, yeah. You know, you don't want to buy that house. Yep. So everything outside of, you know, stuff like that, you should definitely be investing it because, you know, your money, you know, it's being devalued right now. Yep. You know, yeah, as, we, as we speak. Right. Exactly. Speak. All the trillions that the Federal Reserve is printing off right now, you know, it's, it's going to cost you. Yep. We might not know right now, but to 
10 years from now, Big Mac might cost $15, you know? Well, no, like, like you said, man, like having a savings account is great, but don't don't let that be your only vehicle to right. saving saving your money. Saving your money can be investing as well. So you use that as a as a saving vehicle, you know. So uh, like you said, it's devaluing by the by the minute. So definitely make your money work for you. Don't let your money just sit there and devalue. For sure, basically. Yep. Yeah, that's real, man. That's that's real. A lot of a lot a lot a lot of gems. A lot of gems from from Miles and from the team, man. We own. Like we said, this is we're not gonna say anything that we're not actively doing. Absolutely. We're not seeing you know, not seeing fruits come. Mm-hmm. And all of us were either told to start investing. My my hand was kinda forced and sometimes that's what it takes. If someone has your best interest or you trust someone, or if you know any of us, um, just know it's coming from a genuine place. It's like we're not gonna tell you to do something and we're not we're not gonna lie to you and say there's not risking anything, that you can't lose money or that you know, things may happen or that the world might not be upside down a year from now. We don't, you know, we're not all knowing. However, uh, just just get in there. Just get in the game um, because time is literally money and it's either working for you or against you. Yep. So so we, we definitely appreciate Miles coming on and, and dropping some gems, man. Um, sure. It's a pleasure to be here, bro. Nah, man, for, for sure, man. Y'all got to check this dude out on Twitter and Instagram. He's, he's constantly dropping facts. He's not just here for an yeah, hour. Man. Follow him on I'll Twitter, trying, man. Follow him on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I'll be trying, he gives some game out on Twitter, man. Free game, free game, yo. We're, we're going to follow you out on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Yeah, both platforms, at underscore Miles J, M-I-L-E-S-J-A-Y. Okay. Yo. Nah, for, for sure, man. My guy Miles Wood in the building. Yeah, appreciate so, y'all having me though, fellas. Yeah, yeah man, it was a dope. pleasure. It was a pleasure, man. man. Take a champagne toast to that. For sure. Sure, man. To financial freedom. More life. More life. All that. Well, Same and Sippers, we'll catch y'all on the next episode. Get started, get moving, connect with one of us. We'll help you. We're here. We're going to keep dropping more gems. Get on YouTube. Get on Apple get on Apple Podcasts and um and just keep on learning so that this makes more sense. It might take a while, but you'll get it. It's um just keep being attentive and take care until next time. For sure. Man, that's crazy. Event one officially complete in the books. I really hope that you learned something today and that you stay with us on this journey as we have a lot of guests and drinks lined up. It's really exciting. Take your thumb and click the subscribe button so you do not miss the next topic. In the meantime, just save responsibly, sip responsibly, and reach out to us. Always open to hear your feedback. Take care and talk to you soon.